Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Welcome to the tail end of spring break. You guys made it, and you're back. Or for some of you, you're like, spring break, you mean like a normal work week? Yeah, it was this last week. For others of us that have children, you're like, oh, a week that my kids aren't in school, that I have to figure out what to do with them, and Harry Potter closets are not allowed. So, you know, we have to We're going to have fun today. Hey, I'm really glad you guys are here genuinely. If you're a first-time guest with us, so grateful that you're joining us. If you're joining us online, same thing. So glad you guys are here. It'd be an honor if you take some time and fill out that connection card just so we can serve you and help you take some next steps. But listen, no matter where you're walking in today on your spiritual journey, you are loved, safe, and welcome here. Now, before we get into our service, I want to um, just take a moment and and, uh, first of all, can we celebrate our first responders, just how amazing they are at handling this in-car fire? Man. Amazing. I watched a video yesterday. Uh, I could be wrong up to this update, but last I heard there was no structural damages, uh, and they're working to contain the fire in South Boulder. So just amazing, amazing work. So grateful for them. Uh, But I want to take some time and just pray over our first responders and the families that are uh, either displaced or evacuated at the moment, just with all the fear and things going on. So if you'll just join me in prayer right now, then we'll uh, continue on. God, thank you so much for caring about the big and little things. Um, It has been a really challenging two years. Seems like every time we turn around, there is another traumatic thing happening. And and for some of us, it's overwhelming. My neighbor said yesterday that her amygdala is just just going crazy in her mind. Fear is just overstimulated. Others of us, it's so much that we're we're almost numb to it. Um, And there's a lot of fear and a lot of uncertainty and a lot of what-ifs that come along with it. God, we thank you that you are present And equally as important, you are present through your people. And so you invite us to comfort those who need to be comforted, to mourn with those who mourn. And right now, we want to pray over our first responders. We thank you for their sacrificial service for our community um, and their wisdom and their skills and how they've used it to protect people. It's amazing. And we pray for their bodies and their minds. We know they're exhausted. Uh, We know it's not done yet. And so we pray over just the continual containment of uh, the in-car fire and also, man, just for their families and for their safety in the process. And we also pray over every family, the 19,000 people that have been either evacuated, maybe they're not back home yet, and just the fear and uncertainty that comes with that space. God, we pray that that you would use your people and your church across Boulder, not just City Church, but all of your churches, man, to, to bring comfort and love and peace and provision in those spaces. So God, thanks you, thank you for letting us be a church in and for the city, that we're not here for ourselves, we exist for the world, and we get to show your love by our good work. So thank you for this church that's not reaching out to the community as an organization, but as individuals, and as a part of your family. We're checking on neighbors and friends and coworkers. And so I pray that continues, and your love is made known through us this week. It's in Jesus' name, amen. 
Hey, again, thank you guys so much for being here. I'm, I'm grateful that you're here. We're in this series right now called Followers, and, and you can catch all of the backwards work on our YouTube channel, on our podcast, lots of really helpful stuff there. It's been kind of a building series, and, and in case you didn't know, this is like a really foundational for seri- series for where we're going throughout the rest of the year, where we're going into the next year, and so some amazing things have been happening. We're kind of walking through this big question, what does it mean to follow Jesus. And no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, this is like a really important question that you wrestle with. I don't know what you've been exposed to, what you've heard, what your professor said, what you, you know, were exposed to growing up, or you know, what you came to your own conclusion with, but what does it mean to follow Jesus has been the, the question we've been wrestling to the ground, and we've concluded three things. you guys remember them? Number one is what? Oh, it, it snuck up there. Hold, wait, wait one second. Right? Number two, you got it. Thank you, Fonja. Number two is become like Jesus. Everyone's like, ah. And number, if you're a guest, you're off the hook. Don't worry about it. And number three is do what Jesus did. Come on. So good. Hey, are you tired of me saying this? Because I am tired of saying it. I've said it for 12 weeks straight. And I think maybe just now you, you might never forget it. But I'm not done. I'm going to keep saying it for the next couple of weeks. So get ready. This is the process we've been walking through. And here's, here's what we've been asking alongside this. So one is answering the question, just so we know, like, what are we actually invited into? Starts with a relationship, not do stuff for Jesus, not go to church, be a good person, hopefully go to heaven when you die, but like be with Jesus relationship. Number two is become like Jesus. As we're with Jesus, we start to love the things that he loves. We start to do the things that he did. And so we're in this entire journey together, but specifically we've been asking the question, like how do we change as individuals? Here's what I know about you, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, everyone in this space wants to change. Now, who you want to become and what you want to change into, that might look a little different depending on where you are, but everyone looks at their life. You can see gaps in your own life, and you're like, man, there's some things that need to change. And if you're looking at your own life and you're like, nope, I'm great, you should ask the people around you <laughs> and see if they agree with you, okay? i just just helping you out. How are we transformed? So there's a gap between who we want to be and who we are. You guys feel that? So this week, I'm, I'm in Estes Park. Well, at first I was in Vegas, not for the reasons you think, but uh, I was in Vegas for uh, some work that we're doing in Mumbai. Again, we want to be a church in Boulder, the West, and the world. And so we've got some really cool stuff coming as far as engaging across uh, the, the seas and God's work in his kingdom around the world. But I was in Vegas for the first half of the week, did some work there, came back, and then we took our family to Estes just for like it's spring break and they're out of school and, you know, we're going to go crazy at home. So we went to Estes for a little party. Um, and like vacation, like party Drake is like sometimes really awesome and sometimes less awesome. I'm just, okay, so Danielle and I, you know, like we're processing this, right? So we're in this transformation, like who do I want to be? We also have these two little tiny humans we're taking care of, right? Four and six years old. And as I'm teaching this to you, and I'm looking at my old life, I'm also thinking about them. I'm like, who, who are my kids becoming? And, and, and like, who, how are they changing and being developed? And, you know, like how much, you know, can I help them on the front end not to have a ton of baggage on the back end? And so I'm thinking about how they're changed and who they're becoming and trying to influence them positively. And then simultaneously, I'm realizing that one of the primary factors and change, change agents in their life is me. And I'm like, crap, <laughs> like that, that's, that's a problem. Like, you know, if, if I'm a part of the factor who they're becoming, it might not be all that I want them to be. And so Danielle and I were talking afterwards, and we had some great times with the kids. And you know, like when you get kind of trapped in a room with two little kids and they're arguing and you like, you just, you know, you have your, your greatest moments and your less than great moments. You know what I'm talking about, right? Um, this is just my little confession, okay? I just need to get it off my chest. That's all we're doing right now. Um, and so Danielle and I concluded at the end of the trip, we were talking about just how to, you know, how do you get away with the little kids well and have a good time and all of that. And so we, we said that I was almost fun this trip. Like, 
Come on, guys, that's progress. Come on, give a little hand, please. Almost fun. I'll say, I'm just kidding. But, but seriously, like, there was moments where like, we had a great time. There's other moments where I'm just like, man, if I had a Harry Potter closet, I wouldn't lock my kids in it. I would lock myself in it and just, just run away. Like, that's what I want to do. I'm like, I need some space from these little humans. But anyway, I, I say all that to say, I, I see the gap in me. Do you? Not, not in me. But it, I mean, I know, you, I, know, I know you see my gap. <laughs> uh, but do you see the gap in you? Who we are, who we want to become? And again, part of what we're doing is casting a vision for your life that, like, is it possible that God loves you? That Jesus made a way for you to have a relationship with him? And that there is a vision for your life of something far better than you could possibly ask or imagine in front of you that's worth chasing after. That the, the, the who that God wants you to become is better than anyone you want to become in and of yourself and on your own. That's kind of what we're talking about today. So we've been talking about like the, the, the space of intentional and unintentional spiritual formation. And so I've been using this paradigm over the last couple of weeks, and, and I just kind of circle back around before we get into it. And so we talked about unintentional spiritual formation is what happens when you wake up tomorrow. And you hit the snooze button a couple times, and you kind of roll into the day, and you're being formed by all kinds of things, whether you want to be or not. Unintentional spiritual formation is happening every day. Whether you're a Jesus follower or not, you are a disciple. You are being formed. You are apprenticing under the culture around you, the people you hang out with, the stories that you believe. And so we said, hey, if we're going to counteract, if we want to have intentional spiritual formation in our lives, there has to be an angle. We have to look at a paradigm that allows us to get to that space. And so that's what we've been walking through for the last couple of weeks. It looks like this. First of all, it's teaching. Part, part of it is what we're doing right now. And listen, it's not just like what we do on a Sunday morning. We gather together to see God's activity together. We, we gather to worship. We gather to learn and grow. There's a lot of things happening here, but it doesn't stop here. It's picking up intentional books. I listened to like 10 podcasts this week about different things and taking notes. And so like even if you miss a Sunday, like there's so much good content that God is doing in our church right now. Go pick up the podcast. Listen to me at like 1.5 times speed if you can handle it. Two times you can't understand a word, but 1.5, if you're really in it, you can, it's true. I listen to myself, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, wow, I do talk fast. All right, and so teaching, it, it reshapes the stories that we believe. The second thing we looked at is practice. The habits that we engage in are forming who we become. And so intentional practice around the ways of Jesus, we, we spent an entire couple of weeks on just that piece in this series. And then last week, last couple of weeks, we've been dealing with community. The, the, the people that you're around, not just people that you like, but intentionally placing yourself in community so that you are pushed and pulled in the right direction. And all of this is happening through the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's God's presence and power and the person of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And last week, I, I gave you this paradigm uh, just because I was Harry Potter not nerding out a little bit. I'm like, hey, come, come, come this week and find out what, what the Holy Spirit has to do with the Deathly Hollows, and so I, I came to deliver, and my delivery is I got nothing, okay, so stay tuned, we're going to do a Holy Spirit series in the fall, I might have something then, I just didn't have time to sneak it in today, so nothing on the Deathly Hollows, sorry about you, um, but here's the deal, uh, you can go back to the other slide without the, the, the Deathly Hollows sign, there you go, it's just distracting, I just couldn't help myself, it's just right there, through these things, through these things, we are partnering with God, we're partnering with Jesus to reach our full Potential. So discipleship or apprenticing under Jesus is partnering with God for our transformation. 
So, so there's two extremes to, to this conversation. When we look at this, we're like, okay, how much is God's responsibility in, in change in my life, and how much is my responsibility? And so some of you grew up in super kind of legalistic, do it all yourself, grit your teeth, don't do bad things, you know, behavior modification zones where like everything's your effort of like, stop doing, don't say those words, don't think those thoughts, don't go those places, don't hang out with those people, and it was all don'ts and rules and, and, and so there's a space of like it's all on you. The other extreme is it's all on God. God does all the changing. It's just kind of my job to show up and through osmosis and really good teaching, I'm just going to become the person that God wants me to be. And, and the reality is it, it's not either of those extremes. It's right in the middle. That as we look at our gap, I gave you a quote, I think it was from Dallas Willard a couple weeks ago, that, that, when, when, that said that when it comes to our spiritual formation, without him, speaking of God, without God, we can't be changed. But without us, he won't. And so you might ask the question, like, okay, so is it like 50-50? Here's the good news today. God does all the heavy lifting in our transformation and change, but we have a part to play. That's what we're talking about today. God does all the heavy lifting. Maddie said it a couple weeks ago. It's more like 95% and 5%, right? We have this thing at City Church called the 5% life. And if, like, if you'll engage in that piece, God does all of the heavy lifting. And so God is involved through the presence of power of the Holy Spirit in teaching, in practice, and in community to, to shape us, to help us change, to see transformation. So let me give you our core text today, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. You can turn there on your phones. It'll be on the screen for you. Here's our core text we're going to dig in today. today. So this is Paul writing to an early church, and, and they're trying to figure out again what it means to be transformed. So now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is Freedom. Don't miss that word. Freedom. I want you to think about the areas that you want to see change and the areas that we need, like genuinely, we need freedom. And we all, Paul says, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. I love this. From one degree of glory to another, not in an instant, but a process for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So we're going we're gonna to talk about that for, for a little bit. I'm going to kind of go backwards and do some work. But let me give you just like a little bit of philosophy and psychology. I'm like just dangerous enough to maybe say some truth, okay? So this is good, okay? So let me give you just, if you're taking notes, this is important. One of the things that sets us apart as we look at transformation is our free will, right? So, so humans versus animals is that we have this kind of volitional free will. So let me kind of throw this up. There's a couple of things by this guy named Harry Frankfurt when it comes to human will that help us understand how we change. So number one is our first order desires, okay? So he's going to talk about first order and second order desires. So this is what makes you different from the dog that you have at home. I love my dog. Lady's awesome. But she has first order desires and nothing else. So you leave her in a room with a pizza box on the counter. And guess what? There's an empty pizza box on the floor when I get back. That's what happens. Right? And, and, and they're, they're, that's just what's going to happen over and over again. Some of you act like that. I know. You're like, I have an empty pizza box on my floor too. I, okay, yeah, sometimes we, we, don't, we don't do it. But first order desires are like your base kind of instinct desires, food, water, all the drives that you have, kind of that just base desires. Um, sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad. Uh, this is what in the bad version the New Testament authors would call the flesh. The, these, these desires warped by sin that kind of point us away from God. So we have our first order desires, and then we have what's called our second order desires. So our second order desires, here's what sets you apart from the animals, is it's that thing inside of you that wants to want something better for yourself. So you have like kind of your first response or reaction. You can think about it in desire, you can think about it in response, just in any category, right? It can be anger, it can be pizza, <laughs> you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. First order desire, 
Second order desire is the thing inside of me that wants something better than what my first order desire produces. So let me give you an example. I heard about this amazing place called The Jungle on Pearl Street yesterday. And apparently they have something called Caribbean-style fries. And I don't know about you, but I'm a sucker for any kind of French fry, but apparently these are like next-level, life-changing, spiritual transformation French fries, okay? And so I don't know about you, but you know, first order desire is I need some French fries. Um, especially if I'm hanging out with friends and it's 10 o'clock at night, and you know, like, especially if I had some leftovers and I took home. So the place called The Jungle, where you want to, you know, after church today, I'm setting, I'm, I'm, I'm like hitting your first order desires right now. You're all going to go to The Jungle after this. It's going to be great. So first order desires, Caribbean style french fries. Second order desire is I want to be healthy. <laughs> and maybe two orders of french fries and, and a couple of drinks are not exactly what my waistline needs right now. And so second order desires are kind of up against like, okay, French fries to not French fry. Which one? And so here's what's amazing. Is this th there's this thing that you and I have called second order volition in our free will. And that is your ability, this is amazing, to override your first order desires with your second order desires. This is your ability to exercise your free will past your first order desires and press into those second order desires and keep walking past french fries into the Westin Tavern instead or wherever you end up, right? Like get a salad or whatever it is instead of french fries. So, so when we're talking about freedom, when we're talking about change and transformation, what we're talking about is, is this freedom is the ability to want and will the right thing. See, our culture currently would define freedom as doing whatever you please whenever you want. Like ultimate freedom is like no strings attached, no rails, no guardrails. Like you do whatever you want, you want. You have your own volitional free will. That's how our culture would define it. The problem is a lot of times, in my opinion, and I think if you if you reflect on it, sometimes that kind of mentality and behavior and living actually looks more like slavery than freedom. If I if I'm just giving into every impulse and desire and reaction and response I have, that looks more like slavery than freedom to me. Freedom is the ability to want and to will the right thing, to exercise freedom, to see change in our lives, it takes willpower. You guys with me on this? Okay, so that's philosophy, a little bit of psychology to help us kind of get there. Psychologists would tell us that your will or, or willpower is kind of like a muscle. It's something that you use, it's something that you can strengthen, it's something you can work out, but it also gets depleted. And so we only, we only have so much willpower. That's why, like, you know, by the time that first cup of coffee runs out, 9.45, you're, like, at your worst. <laughs> you know, and so you showed up really good, and now everything's off the table. It's also why every bad decision that anyone has ever made happens, like, past 10 p.m., <laughs> right? Everything you regret happened at night, didn't it? Right? This is because we're, like, out of willpower, right? That's, that's the, it's a bad time to be scrolling Instagram or surfing the web or, or, or being somewhere we shouldn't be, right? Our willpower is depleted throughout the day. And every stupid thing we've done shows up when our willpower is depleted. And so one of my tasks and your task, if you're a follower of Jesus, as we apprentice under Jesus is learning how to exercise our will and make it stronger. So in light of that, I need you to understand psychologists would tell us that we can't influence our will directly. So I thought, what better way to talk about willpower than to have Will help us. Come on, Will. Everybody put your hands together for Will. Right up here, right up here. So, so when we're talking about willpower, this guy's got more willpower than all of us. Half of it's in his name, guys. Willpower is like a muscle. What a physique. All right. 
Yes, thank you. Okay, okay. So, 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 listen, we can't influence our will directly. He's really hard to influence. This is, I just made this up in my head. He has no idea what's going on. It's going to be fun. Um, so, listen, listen, whatever your temptation, whatever you're struggling with when it comes to willpower, you can't just say, will. Have more willpower. You ever done that? You're like, like just have, I'm just going to have more willpower. You can't just directly influence willpower. It doesn't work. Don't eat the fries. It doesn't work like that. But what you can do is you can influence your will indirectly. See, he doesn't see it coming. Okay, so, so check it out. Will is going to be my helper here. Okay, there you go. And then, um, there you go. Don't judge my handwriting. There you go. Hold those out. Make a little triangle for us. You're our, you're our triangle paradigm. Yeah. yeah. You dig it? Okay, okay. Everybody, you can turn a little bit left and right so everybody can see you. Yep, yep. Over here, over here. Okay, so he is our, our spiritual formation paradigm. You guys got it? Okay, so this is willpower. You can't influence your will directly, but psychologists tell us that you can influence it indirectly. So, for example, teaching. Why are we pressing into this? Teaching is how we change the stories that we believe, that it gives you a vision for the good life, something that creates a stimulus in your mind that says, wow, there's something better to chase after, a new story to believe. And again, you can apply it to anything and everything that you believe in your life, about your relationships with people, about God, about your own mentality, identity, you name it, it applies to everything. So, so teaching, you can influence it indirectly through teaching, it can influence through practice, which is in the process of pressing into spiritual disciplines, we come to love and long for the vision that is hitting our hearts and minds. So how do we influence our willpower? Through teaching? We talked about it a couple weeks ago. It takes a lot of relearning and unlearning to get to this space. Practice, it doesn't happen on its own. It's not just gonna happen to you, but you have to press into practices in the way of Jesus. And lastly, it's community. Community is aimed at our social world. That is, we are around other people who love Jesus and love us enough to push us and pull us in the direction of Jesus. Not, not, not just yes men in our lives, not just people to pat you on the back when you're having a hard day, but how do we influence our willpower? Will's struggling up here, right? He's like, oh my goodness. We can do it indirectly. Long before the moment of struggle, long before your willpower runs out, we can influence our will indirectly to where we have the willpower in the moment to choose the second order volition thing. Does that make sense to you guys? So here's the bad news. We're, we're almost done. I know, yeah, I know this, is, this is just so brutal standing up here. Here's the bad news. No matter how much willpower you have, it's never going to be enough to live the way of Jesus. So because as followers of Jesus, our goal is not a better will. <laughs> our goal is not will. Love you, will. And by the way, he's a great dude to, to learn from, like genuinely. Uh, um, but our goal is not will. Our goal is Jesus. And so no matter how much willpower you and I exercise, it's important and it's a part of it, but it will never get us to where Jesus wants to take us, not on our own. Put your hands together for Will. Way to go, man. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Have a seat. So in light of that bad news, as we, as we look at willpower, it's important, but some things our willpower just can't overcome. You, you recognize that, right? So some things willpower shows up and it keeps you from flipping somebody off in traffic because they cut you off. It keeps you from, you know, shouting profanities at your boss. Like sometimes willpower shows up and maybe you said no to french fries that one time. Way to go, you. Willpower shows up and it, and it has some, some influence. It's great. But there's other things that willpower just doesn't stand a chance against. Like, like the things deeply ingrained in you, connected to your character, the deep struggles of your heart and mind. Like, like for example, for, for me, like the anger that, that, that I have to wrestle with and I'm letting Jesus work in and through me, I can't just like not 
go there because it's rooted in a deeper issue of perfectionism that goes into another piece of, of me feeling like I'm worth something. And so you and I start to do the deep work of our imperfections, of our gaps, whatever it is, whatever our issues are, there's nothing that willpower can, can do in those spaces. But we need something more. We need access to, again, what, what Jesus invites us into is the Holy Spirit. So 2 Corinthians 3, the text that we're in today, is about how we get access to the power past our willpower. So it's important, but it's not enough. So both and. So to do some backwards work, let's go to Exodus chapter 34. This is just the backwards work of the text that we just read in 2 Corinthians, okay? So we're just going to do a little bit of work, and then we're going to kind of land the plane. So again, we were talking in 2 Corinthians about this Moses and veil and stuff. So this is the text that, that Paul is pulling from. So when Moses would come down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand. He came down from the mountain, and, and Moses didn't know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. So the dude comes off the mountain, and he's like a mag light, right? Like he is like, like lighting up, and he has no idea. And so uh, all the people of Israel, they would see him, the skin of his face, and they were afraid to come near him, right? Because he's glowing, okay? So the dude's been spending time with God in God's presence on top of this mountain, comes down, and he's glowing, and when Moses had finished speaking with them, he would put a veil over his face because people are intimidated, okay? This is like a, a really unique space um, of, of this encounter. So um, go on to the next piece here. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil in God's presence until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what, what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that his skin was shining, and Moses would then put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with him. So I just want you to notice one thing from this passage. Who has access to God's presence in, in this Old Testament passage and story? There's only one person that has access to God's presence, and it's Moses, him alone. So Moses is meeting with God every day, and literally every encounter with God, he is being transformed, so much so that it's visible externally. He's glowing, but it's only Moses alone. So now let's go back to 2 Corinthians 3, the context that Paul is writing. Check this out. So he says, now, if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone, so he's talking about the Old Testament. So this little bit of background. Old Testament is, is kind of this, you know, rules and regulations piece. You're like, okay, how does that fit into the Jesus story? Okay, the Old Testament and, and kind of the Ten Commandments, if you will, are basically to show us that you and I aren't perfect. We fall short of God's standard and we need help. And so Paul's speaking to that. He says, okay, so if the ministry of death, these rules kind of show us that we are not good enough to meet God's standard, they're carved into letters of stone, Ten Commandments, okay, came with such glory that the Israelites couldn't gaze at Moses' face. Like, how awesome was that? Like, he says, look how big of a deal that was, which is being brought to an end. Will not the ministry of the Spirit of God, he's talking to you and me as followers of Jesus, have even more glory? Watch this. He goes on. He says, since we have such a hope because of Jesus, we are very bold. Check this out. Not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. It's interesting. Over time, Moses, he, he would begin to, like, the, the glow would fade, and so he actually started to cover up his face so people wouldn't notice the disconnect in his relationship with God, right? So all of us have junk and issues in our lives. You guys with me? Even Moses, okay? So he says, hey, it's not, not like Moses. For To this day, he's talking about the Israelites, when they, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted. This, he, he's using kind of an analogy to help us understand the thing that blocks us from the presence of God. Because only through Jesus is that veil taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, speaking of Jesus, that veil is removed. You guys see all the pictures coming to peace, okay? All this is together. Now watch, here's our cortex again. Now, the Lord 
is the Spirit. Really interesting. Paul always talks, every time he uses the word Lord, he's talking about Jesus. In this specific moment, he uses the Lord referring to the Holy Spirit, which is the presence, person, and power of God in our lives. He says, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, change, and transformation. And we all, with unveiled face, do you guys see it? With unveiled face, like Moses, beholding the glory of the Lord, we're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Where does it come from? The Lord, who is the Spirit. So, so he actually gives us the key. Where does tr- like deep change and transformation come from? It only comes from partnering with the Spirit. Now, this is amazing, because as Paul is helping us understand the presence and power of God, he's not talking about the Holy Spirit like Star Wars, okay? You know, like the force? Like the, the, the spirit is not like a force or a feeling or something that happens when you're singing a really emotional song. The spirit is a person that Jesus says literally when we trust in him makes his home in our hearts, that we are made new when we trust in Jesus and filled with the presence and power and person of God. And what's amazing is he goes on to say that we all have access to God. So listen, there's not a priest, there's not a special kind of formula. You and I have direct access to the presence and the power of God because of Jesus. And when he uses this language of like this, the same image that we're kind of gazing into, it's speaking to like a mirror in this city. So the Corinthians, they, they were like a port city for these really famous bronze mirrors. And so it literally means to contemplate or to stare at something deeply for transformation. So you know like, like the longer you look in a mirror, kind of, start to pick out all the, the things like, oh, I need to trim my nose hairs. And, uh, you know what I mean? Like, you can kind of see all the things. So it's like we're looking into a mirror, but it's looking into the face of Jesus, and it's allowing us to move into his image instead of our own. Complete transformation. So every day, every week, every month, there's this gradual degree of following Jesus and being changed. And where does it come from? The Holy Spirit. So let me give you this, this quote from Gordon Fee, I think really helps kind of sum this up. So through Jesus... And by the Spirit, we are being transformed. So as to bear the likeness for which we were intended at the beginning, to be, like, be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what he did. So one takes the Spirit of God lightly in Pauline theology and Christian experience at a great risk. Don't miss this. For herein lies the glory that Paul is talking about, that by the Spirit we not only come to know God, but we come to live in his presence in such a way as to constantly be renewed into God's image. So it's the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We talked about this at the beginning of the series, practicing the presence of God. But let me help you just walk through how change actually happens. Transformation happens in two ways. Let me give you these on the screen here. Transformation happens for you and I in two ways. Number one is is something I think we can call breakthrough moments. This is a moment when like the Holy Spirit touches someone in a unique way. It's kind of a moment in time where there's like kind of this massive jump in spiritual growth. This is how you hear like people, like for example, Paul in in Acts, right? He's like knocked off of his horse and radically changed by Jesus in a moment. And you hear stories of people who like, maybe they give their lives to Jesus and things just crazy change in the moment or someone experiences healing either physically or emotionally or, or mentally. And there's these things in a moment where there's this like massive breakthrough moment from the Holy Spirit and change happens that way. And you hear stories of that, but you also hear stories of prayer over those things and it's kind of like this gradual Things don't seem to be happening. What's going on? We're going to talk about more about this in our series on the Holy Spirit coming up in the fall. But for right now, I just need you to understand there's these breakthrough moments 
where God just shows up and he does something incredible. Someone's immediately set free from something they've been struggling with their entire lives. So just, just to preface it, at the end of, of this message, and as the band comes up in a few minutes and uh, leads us in our next two songs, I'm gonna have a team of people in the back of our auditorium. The lights will be down um, and you can take communion and all that stuff, but you can also come to receive prayer in the back. Prayer for healing physically, mentally, emotionally, freedom over an addiction, a struggle. Um, I, I would say that I gave my life to Jesus at 15 and over the course of time, he has healed me massively through a sexual addiction. I was massively broken sexually coming into a relationship with Jesus at 15 and Jesus has healed me in ways that frankly I, I can't explain. I'm not the same person I was when I met Jesus. So there are breakthrough moments, but, they are, but they're beautiful and they're rare. I, I need you to understand that and we'll talk more about that. They're also what we would call process moments. And this is where the Holy Spirit is changing us over time. And it's more likely because there are some things that can only be formed in us through the crucible of everyday life. Like you see people get healed and you see people set free from certain things, but you never like find somebody that says like, you know, Jesus healed me of my anger. Like I woke up and I'm just not an angry person anymore. Or like Jesus changed me and I'm no longer impatient. Or like, you know, I've been a slob my entire life and I sleep in all the time, but I prayed and Jesus healed me and I woke up at 5.30 this morning. I read the Bible for two hours. I went and got donuts from my office, right? You don't hear stories like that. It's because I, I think we see breakthrough healing and, and, and freedom in specific areas, but there's also process moments of just that normal mundane grind with Jesus every day, walking with Jesus, reading Genesis if you're following along in the reading plan that we're in right now. And sometimes you're like, what the heck is that about? And go, you know, gathering on a Sunday. And sometimes God does amazing things and sometimes it's not so spectacular. Or showing up to hang out in your city group with the same eight to 12 people you've been with all semester. And you're like, I like three of you. I mean, the rest of you I can tolerate. I mean, I'm just kidding, guys. I like all the people in my group, let it be known. But there's this like unglamorous work of, of what Eugene Peterson would call a long obedience in the same direction of process moments, of, of Jesus healing and, and working through things over time. There's these deep character changes that are connected to process moments. They're not normally a singular mega moment, right? You don't just all of a sudden profoundly changed, but they're normally a thousand small ordinary moments that shape you into the person that Jesus wants you to become. Alex, one of our, one of our friends here, he, he calls them micro miracles. I dig that. I think God's into the miraculous. I think his heart leans towards you. There's some people we're praying over healing for today in this service, and we're praying that it's gonna happen with all faith, and we're totally pumped about that. God shows up in the miraculous, but he also uses the micro-miracles. But here's the deal, I don't want you to miss this. Abiding, this deep relationship with Jesus is everything. Paul says in another passage we looked at earlier in, in, the, in this last couple of months was, he says, hey, to, to walk in the spirit is to become like the person that is full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. When you look at yourself and when you look at the fruit of the spirit in someone's life or what he wants to produce in you, it's not like separate categories of things, but I wanna become that kind of person. And the only command we see from Paul is to walk in the Spirit. It's relationship, it's rhythm, it's daily, it's pressing into teaching that changes my stories that I believe. 
It's pressing into practice, the rhythms of my everyday life, spending time with Jesus intimately, daily, in silence and solitude. It's time in, the, in community with other people who love me, who love Jesus, that are gonna push and pull me in the right direction. Let me show you this quote from Willard. He says, the disciplines are activities of mind and body purposefully undertaken to bring our personality and our total being into effective cooperation. <laughs> I love that word. With the divine order, as in sometimes we're not so effective. <laughs> they enable us more and more to live in a power that is strictly speaking beyond us, deriving from the spiritual realm itself as we yield ourselves to God. So you say, what's my responsibility? It's the spiritual formation paradigm, community, teaching, practice. That's my responsibility. My job, your job, is to create an environment in our lives for the Holy Spirit to do a deep work in us that you and I cannot do on our own. And we create those environments through teaching and practice and community. You have a part to play. And listen, I know, I know you're busy. You're working one to two jobs. You're going to school full time. You've got little kids running around and you've got a project due and you're working on your capstone and you've got you know, a girlfriend that's super pretty that you're pursuing and you've got hardships in life and you're displaced and your car broke down and, and, and you've got all these things going on and they're very real. But you and I must create an environment to let the Holy Spirit do that work or we're not going to see it change because it's an overtime process. I love the, the book we've been quoting the last couple of weeks is The Relational Soul. He, they say that the truth about significant soul transformation is this. Change is possible, but it's harder than we want, and it takes longer than we expect. <laughs> Dang it, right? Yeah, you can only grow a tree. You can't microwave it, can't fast forward it, can't email it, can't put it on a to-do list. It takes time. Character is grown one inch at a time. And it takes a lot of time, and it takes a lot of space. And some of us, we're so busy that, that we have very little time to even give attention to this. So I don't know where you're walking in. I don't know where you are on, on your spiritual journey. But I hope you lean in with me. Man, even if life is hard right now, I just need you to hear me. More times than not, God uses the hardships of our life to push us through these moments of process. Can I just encourage you? Listen, there's some people in here who've been following Jesus for a minute, and you ask them, like, hey, where did the biggest moments of spiritual growth come from in your life? They're probably gonna point you to a hardship, a moment where God really showed up. They're probably not gonna point to a teaching series that Drake did. I mean, I'm waiting on that one, no one said it yet, so. <laughs> but they're gonna point to moments of hardship. So listen, let me just encourage you, no matter where you are, if the season's hard for you, don't run. Don't medicate it. Don't try to hide from it, but meet God in that space of hardship and invite him in. Discipleship is a long, hard journey. Apprenticing under Jesus, it's a long, hard journey, but every step is worth it. So I know, I, I know you see your gaps. I, I know you want to change. I, I want to just elevate your vision, not just to be the person you want to be, but who does Jesus want me to become? And who am I becoming? So let me give you just some personal reflection as we close our time together. Number one, do I need to give my life to Jesus today? I need you to understand that this is not by osmosis. This is not 
you know, by enough rights, wrongs, rules and regulations, do the right things and it all works out. The transformation process starts when we trust in Jesus. To have faith in Jesus means simply we trust him, that he is who he said he is. He can do in our lives what he said he would do. He really was God. He really died in our place for our sins. He was buried. He rose again to prove he was who he said he was, and he can do in your life what he said he would do. It's a moment in time of surrendering my life to Jesus. I need you to save me and set me free. However you would articulate that, I need you to understand Jesus can hear your prayers in your heart and mind just as well as he can hear them audibly out loud. I gave my life to Jesus at 15 years old and he changed everything. And since then, he's been changing everything. And he'll do that for you starting today if you make the decision to trust in Jesus. Number two, if you are a follower of Jesus, here's the question I would ask you because we've dealt with a lot over the last couple of weeks and months. Has the Holy Spirit told me to do something over the past weeks or months that I need to obey? Maybe there's something you've been dragging your feet on, scared to, to bring other community members into, a step of obedience. There's just something that, that's been on your heart and mind that you're just like, God, I don't want to do that. But maybe today, man, you would trust that what he wants for you is absolutely your good and his glory. So maybe today you find someone to pray with during this next set. You receive prayer in the back. You take a step in obedience. You write it on your connection card and turn it in. Tell your group leader, whatever it is. And number three, is there an area of growth that needs more attention? We've, we've covered a lot. And odds are, no, none of us are in the same space of what God's dealing with. So is there a specific area of growth that I need to give more attention? And, and maybe in this season, you press into more teaching on that. You pick up a book specifically off our resources page, or you get some specific discipleship through your city group, or you, you get a mentor, or maybe even get a counselor. Again, any category, whatever it is. Pick up a book on parenting, or spiritual disciplines themselves, or uh, you know, self, well, self-control and, and, and self-esteem is not really what I was going for, but, but this idea of, of value and worth, who God says that I am, there's tons of stuff. What is it for you? Listen, I don't know where you are. I don't know what your next step is, but I know that God is in this place. He promises to be with us when we gather, and he's working, and he wants to do something amazing today and every day. And sometimes it's miraculous, and sometimes it's in the mundane, but he's working. So my encouragement for you and I is let's, let's just let him work, Okay. So will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? We're going to pray together. God, thank you so much for this space. Thank you for the privilege to gather. What an honor. Thank you for just the clarity of our part to play in transformation. Holy Spirit, we want to create an environment for you to do the work in our lives. And we know what that looks like. We know it means daily intimacy with you. We know it means community. We know it means learning and unlearning and growing in that space. We know it means practice, both internally and externally. But God, we also know that, that and we're in different spaces and you might be doing something specific today that we need to pay attention to. So I pray for my friends in the room, no matter where they are in their spiritual journey, that they would hear your voice right now, whatever the next step is, and they would say yes. Holy Spirit, we create space to hear you today. To say yes to you for the first time. To give you our lives. 
take a step of obedience, to confess and bring other people into our space. And we trust you. Whatever you have for us, it's good. Amen.